Your soul is mine. that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be reading the memory card and talking about Soul Calibur 2 for the PlayStation 2. I'm Katie. I'm Chris. We've got our producers here with us. We've been playing lots and lots of fighting games. So let's get started. Hiya! So after an impromptu episode 12, we are back on to Soul Calibur 2 for episode 13. Lucky 13. That's definitely how that goes. <laughs> this one, this one we've been playing for a while for for many reasons, I guess. We kind of we kind of stacked our rose segments yeah. and then kind of got pulled aside with with last episode being the last minute. So we've had a uh, good long time to play this and and the next few games in the next few games and if you watch us on twitch you will have a preview of what those games are so go watch us on twitch yes please where they can find us at gwgw show yeah we've had some fun interactions here and there on twitch so please please drop in it's uh tends to be pretty fun most of the entire crew will pretty much watch most of the time as long as the west coast doesn't play too late because uh, I need my beauty sleep. So we've had a little bit of extra time on this one, uh, but we're excited to get started um, into another another genre that we have yet to explore on the podcast. So that's yeah. going to be fun. It's time to get into the first segment of the podcast, and that segment would be Video Game Trope of the Day. Trope of the Day. That was my Soul Calibur impression. No, I like it. It's better than my Soul Calibur impression, which was Soul Calibur 2. <laughs> Soul Calibur 2. Because it's always it's super deep. Anyway. Yes. So, Katie, what is our trope of the day this time? I will let you intro this one. <laughs> so, our trope of the day is lonely animator syndrome so <laughs> this is something that i know we heard as kids i know we talked about it with our group of friends this is basically the concept of not enough females working within the industry especially back in the day but still now to make sure that the games are realistic when it comes to women in ways that maybe they need to be <laughs> i i would say within this trope fall things like the chainmail bikini and how mm -hmm impractically dumb that is or <laughs> another one i looked up when i was looking at this was the thong of shielding which just made me one. laugh <laughs> <laughs> but these are these are items that like no woman would design that and say yes this is something that's really practical because the men will be in full armor now of course right. nowadays it is considered standard so it's more likely to pop up but it's the idea that these all created because there was some dude who was like i want to keep her hot but she has to wear 
armor or something. So let's give her boob plates. That'll save her. It's, it's everyone just thinks that fantasy games and just games all live inside of Boris Vallejo painting. <laughs> And yeah, so but also within this and I and that's so that's like very specific about clothing and, you know, in Soul Calibur and fighting games are notoriously bad at this. I mean, you have MMOs definitely, but fighting games are the ones where the women will wear some of the most impractical clothing for fighting. And it just it that's not how though things don't stay in place the way they do in fighting games in real life. Cammy and Street Fighter. Cammy and Street Fighter. Ivy is notorious for this in Soul Calibur because she wears basically oh, yeah. strips of fabric in a majority of her costumes. Uh... And has... <laughs> this does go beyond just fighting games. So Tifa in Final Fantasy VII, for example, while her outfit isn't the most impractical, it still isn't, you know, what you would typically be running around the world in. However, if you notice, anytime she is in your party and you win... The camera, she the, yeah, she, she does a big stretch, and the camera just happens to always zoom into her if she's in your party. <laughs> like, y- you don't have to. Like, you'll be like, "Cloud got the finishing shot," and it's like, "Hello, Tiffa." Like, uh, <laughs> or the fact that sometimes certain camera angles you get upskirt shots. Like that is notorious in Japanese games, unfortunately. This is oh, that happened. That happened in Soul Calibur two a lot. A lot. It was you get you get knocked over like. Why did her skirt just blow up? Like this and, doesn't make and, any yeah, sense. There, there's literally like it's a it's anti physics to have some of those things happen. <laughs> but that and that's exactly it though. Is like this is what I like to jokingly and and seriously put into the lonely animator syndrome. It's it's the dude and it, and a lot of it's fan service. This is also because they think oh yeah, this is very hand in hand with fan service. Fans yeah, want, but it started because someone was horny while developing games and put what he wanted into the game and that's that that's exactly what it is and again it happens in a lot of games fighting games in particular have some real real bad examples of it so <laughs> one of my favorite recent examples of this was when trailers came out for metal gear solid 5 and you see this new female companion and she's wearing a bra and like cut up pants and that's it and everyone's like okay you've clearly sexualized her and they're like oh no 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 there's a reason she's dressed like this and you're like what reason is that and they're like no no it's a plot reason we can't tell you and we're like okay sure so the game comes around her name is quiet Mm -hmm. and she's quiet because she can't speak because it turns out she has this spore that has infected her body that if she speaks it'll kill her uh but the (laughs) yeah yeah so That's the most it, it's Kojima thing Kojima. ever. Oh, no, just wait. Because the reason she wears that outfit oh, God. is because the spores mean she breathes through her skin. And so she needs to expose <laughs> as much skin as possible or she'll suffocate. Just at least until she works her way through college. <laughs> <laughs> You broke your wife. (laughs) So. (laughs) Damn it. You're welcome. (laughs) So. So, so this is something as much as we have modernized our gaming industry and there is more female representation. There's still not nearly enough. Of course, there's 
tons of things going on that we talk about that there needs to be more female representation in those industries but it also happens still in modern games that these kind of explanations these kind of lonely animator <laughs> syndromes pop yeah. up because that's exactly what it feels like it's fan service but more than that it's yeah it's guys who want to make an excuse to put a girl in no clothing so that just is what kept popping up in our gameplay and we'll talk a little bit more about why it kept popping up gameplay so Lonely Animator Syndrome is this episode's video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! Put some clothes on! Social justice warrior. <laughs> so, let's actually talk about our game of the episode. Let's talk about Soul Calibur 2. Yeah, Soul Calibur 2 is a fighting game that came out in the arcade in 2002 and then came out for the GameCube, PS2, and Xbox original in 2003. It was developed by Project Soul and was actually the third game in the series. So the first one was called just Soul Edge, then Soul Calibur was the second one. Soul Calibur 6 is the most recent in the series. It's considered kind of a soft reboot to the whole series as a whole, kind of going all the way, all the way back to Soul Edge. This did pretty well in uh, the rankings. Metacritic gave it a 92 out of 100 for Xbox and PS2. It gave it a 93 out of 100 for GameCube. Game rankings gave it a 92 for Xbox and GameCube and a 91 for PS2. GameSpot at the time praised the game, saying that it's certainly one of the most refined, most accessible, and best-looking 3D fighting games to date. And it's squarely the best game in its class for the Xbox and GameCube. So at the time, that was very, very high praise. And I, I think that is important to note because this was really one of the first actual fighting games for those systems up to this point. Like, oh, yeah. on PlayStation, you had, like, Tekken, and, and they had other franchises, but we didn't really have those other fighting franchises hadn't made their way onto the Xbox or GameCube at this point. And so this was really the first introduction to people who might not have had those earlier systems. So this was actually the last Soul Calibur game to be developed for the arcade. Soul Calibur 3 did come out to the arcade later, but that was kind of a port of the PS2 version. Yeah, so this is actually, it's kind of interesting. Soul Calibur 2 essentially was the last arcade port that came to consoles, and Soul Calibur 3 was a console that was ported to arcade. So it went the other way. Right. I mean, I feel like you could kind of see that in, in the controls and stuff like that, how it just has that feel to the design. Not changing any of the their gameplay when you're going into move sets, they don't call out the actual buttons on your controller. It is the oh, buttons yeah. on an arcade machine, and that's really yeah, funny. Yes, the, the horizontal vertical kick. The button labels, yeah, are like K, B, and X, or you know, G card. Like they mm -hmm. don't use the PlayStation letters or the you know Dreamcast letters. They're like, oh well, instead of having to make three different versions for each system, we're just going to keep the same ones as the arcade. Go. You also see that in some of the other game modes yes. where it's clearly just like they took the arcade version and just made another mode out of it and, and cut and pasted text here and there. Um, and, and so, you know, speaking of having it come out on three different systems, this was something that Soul Calibur has done a couple of times now where they then had console exclusives. So depending on what game you bought for which platform, you had a different additional character that only appeared on your console. So for the PlayStation 2, you got Heihachi Mishima from Tekken. On the GameCube, we had Link from The Legend of Zelda show up. 
And on the Xbox, you actually got Spawn from the comic book series. In addition to all three of the series, got a new character named Necrid, who was also designed by Todd McFarland, who was the person who designed Spawn. So they wanted to encourage you to play a bunch of different systems to play all these new characters. The funny thing about the PlayStation 2 version, which is the version we actually ended up playing, was they desperately wanted Cloud from Final Fantasy VII to be the additional character, but basically it fell through, and so they couldn't get the licensing, and since Tekken worked very closely with Project Soul, they were easily able to put Heihachi in. But beyond that, they actually also almost had Dante from Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry used Soul Calibur's engine and assets for some of their fights, and they're like, well, you can pay us back by letting us use Dante. Huh. And then they didn't. <laughs> that is, that's actually really interesting. And now that you say that, it's like I could absolutely see, especially some of, like, the air toss stuff. and. No, and the fact that Soul Calibur isn't really a 2D fighter, you can go around and there's right. basically 3D elements of that. You could absolutely see that popping up in Devil May Cry. So mm-hmm. they tried two different PlayStation exclusives that did end up working out. And not that Heihachi is bad. We love Heihachi. But it just it was funny that they really were trying to push for other exclusives and they couldn't get it on the PlayStation. I think it would have been really interesting to see Cloud in the uh, higher polygon count of yes. this game back from, then. from yeah. FF7. How they would yeah. have interpreted him back then. Um, would have been really, really interesting, I think. It's, it was, wasn't meant to be. Todd McFarlane, basically, they wanted to start selling statues through McFarlane Toys. And so they're like, oh, this is how we start a deal with him. We want to use your character in our game and start a relationship ah, with him and built it that way. Nice. So with that, I think it is time to put on our rose-tinted glasses, play that Chiacarina of Time, go into the past, and see what we remembered of this game before we played it again. Let's do it. So that music means we have put on the rose-tinted glasses. So, Katie, what do you remember about Soul Calibur 2? Please, because I barely remember anything. Which is funny, because it's probably one of the latest games we're going to play in this podcast in the in a timeline sense of when it came out and how much later it came out than pretty much every other game we've played thus far. It's definitely a game I have more memories of from like high school and in early college years really. So skirting mm-hmm. on the kid part of growing up with this game. <laughs> but it's, you grow up, it takes a long time to grow up. So college you're still growing up. Let's be honest, yeah. no one's an adult in college. Oh so, god, yeah. So I wasn't yeah, so it, it definitely was, and that's where all a lot of my memories do surround the later, like, playing it in high school, playing it in college in particular, just, like, late into the night. I had marathon sessions of this game with friends. For It was just one of those games that we just loved to play on the PS2. It was, this game was probably what I would say is started reaffirming my love of fighting games. Like, we haven't done... Any? We haven't done any fighting games yet which is kind of funny. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. Like there's no way we won't cover street fighter two because it's, Oh yeah. It's street fighter, street II. fighter and mortal Kombat, and yeah. mortal Kombat and everything. And I remember playing those games and really enjoying them, but it, it was, again, I think it's the whole, the, 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 my gamer maturity really came later. And this was one of the first fighting games I played that I was like this. I like fighting games. This is the game I remember recognizing and being like, 
oh, it's mm-hmm. not just a casual, like, I didn't just enjoy them as a kid. Like, I like fighting games. And Soul Calibur 2, in particular, was really what started that, like, recognition in my life of, like, this is a genre of games that I really love and I'm not half bad at. <laughs> So a lot of my memories around Soul Calibur are definitely these like marathon sessions playing in college, but also just playing just a ton of it myself and just falling in love with not just the game, but the genre itself. This is kind of a gap in in my fighting games because I remember playing a ton of fighting games on the the Genesis and the SNES. But I, I'm glad you talked about how it was like late high school, college, because I... My memories of this game, I'm pretty sure, were were kind of late college for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure. And this is the worst part. I don't know if I was playing Soul Calibur 2 or not. I, I remember playing a Soul Calibur game on a console. It might have been the Xbox. I don't remember. Like, I remember playing it a decent amount just yeah. by myself that's the thing i played the campaign or or the closest thing i guess you can call to a campaign in these games and i would say actually again soul calibur is one of the few fighting games i think that i actually paid attention to the plot and had more of a plot than pretty much any other fighting game until later like later more mortal Kombat started having a plot and maybe i didn't play the plot until later mortal Kombat's. to be fair but soul calibur mm-hmm. for me was the first one that when you played the campaign, it wasn't just fight, 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 which you, that's all you play. But I remember reading the text in between that explained where you were going and what you were doing and what the overarching story of the whole game was. That really came in Soul Calibur. Um, and I think Soul Calibur was a little bit different than other fighting games because most fighting games, when you're doing the campaign, they make you a lot of times. There's two different versions, like the early ones where you just played every single level with a character, but there wasn't really a plot plot. Mm-hmm. versus like Mortal Kombat later and some of the other games later like Marvel vs. Capcom and stuff like that their plots would be you'd have to play as different characters throughout the the main campaign like you right. didn't pick who you were you just followed different characters through Soul Calibur had a different quote unquote campaign for each character like that's what I was trying to remember yeah you'd go like in did a it... different order and you'd have different stories and yeah. they'd actually tell you why you were fighting a certain person at certain stages for different stories in every game and I, I thought that was really interesting and unique that it it had individual stories for every single character in every single game really were you trying to like win the sword you was that do, Soul Calibur? That was the sword? Yeah, win it, beat it, Maybe. destroy it. It, depend, it depends on yeah. the character. It really depends on the character. Like I would one say, char- did, it, did it give you a wish? It's, I'm, I'm thinking it's it's sort of that like twisted metal thing. It, where it was, it's, like, it's a take over the world type situation. Yeah. It gives you the power to take over the world or the good guys wanted to destroy it destroy or use it, it yeah. to do something. Like It depended on who your character was. But yeah, that, that was the overarching like idea is you wanted Soul Edge slash Soul Calibur, depending on mm-hmm. the, the game that changed too. And that was the overarching plot of all the I will series. lie. I was, I was trying to remember this game. Uh-huh. And I do. But then I was like, oh, yeah, that one character, Leo. And then I was like, oh, wait. That was, that was Virtua Fighter. <laughs> I was like, Leo's not... Yeah, I definitely got Virtua Fighter confused with Soul Calibur. I'm not going to, I don't want to get into the mechanics too much of the game. We try not to in the rose tinted. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, the, the big things about this is I remember actually wanting to play every single character's campaign. I don't remember mm-hmm. that on other fighting games. You'd find your favorite character and play through the thing. If there was a character campaign, you'd either stay with the one character you like and do their campaign and that's about it. 
or in like the like I said, the general campaigns where you are forced to play as different fighters, then you play as different fighters. This is the one game that I wanted to play with every single character's campaign because they were all slightly different, and you got to hear like the bigger overarching story if you actually right. played all of the characters. I do remember hating certain characters because they were annoying. As I what was the to. one character? The only character that I remember was the weird, creepy, full of swords mime thing that like. Oh, um, um, um Volo. Something with Vol- a V. Yeah, Volo. Volo. And like yeah. all he did was he like mimicked other characters' styles. Yeah, he could. I think. I mean, there there was actually a character I think in two that all he did was mimic your style. It was like chameleon, I want to say, or something to that effect. But Volo had the, no. Volo had the really creepy where he. Looked like he was. He did like the backwards. crawl backwards. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, he did the creep, and he'd hump the sky. Yeah. He humped the sky all the time. It was he was a creepy character. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. Yeah. The character that always annoyed me, and this is a might be a theme. It has. I'm surprised this hasn't quite popped up yet on this podcast yet. I. I. There's. There was a character called Cassandra. She was the younger sister of one of the other characters from the original Soul Calibur, Sophitia. Her younger sister shows up, and she is the most annoying character because she's just so whiny girly kind of character where she's like uh, 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 and i hate those characters i hate them <laughs> so much they annoy me to no end and she just felt every everything in the tea because she wore like the the like really girly and she had these little low kicks like she didn't even kick properly and you're just like woman just fight i hate you you're nothing special because she had her sisters like even fighting style so she wasn't even unique mm. in that sense she had her sister because that was another thing about so calibers every character had really interesting weapons and then their styles were so so different i do remember the styles being different and like their stances being different most fighting games you have the different like you know, it's it's more like fist style. Soul Calibur had weapons, and they had such cool weapons. Yeah. Like, Ivy had the sword whip, which is just like a classic of that game now, that she has a sword, and if you hit a certain button, it turned into a whip, and she had the sword whip. She also barely wears clothes, but that's a totally different I, I was going to say, is Ivy the one that barely had clothes? But I feel like that was most of them, right? No, no, no. Like... She was the worst. She's the one who wore, like, ribbons, oh, basically. Yeah. It, it... <laughs> No, but like, but having like, yeah, she had the sword whip and then someone like a rapier really played differently than a long sword. And that was really, really interesting is like the, it wasn't just they had a sword, like a rapier versus a sword whip versus a long sword. Like they played differently and you had to play Mm -hmm. the characters differently because of that. And that again, that's another reason I wanted to play as more of the characters is because they had all these different styles that you just wanted to try out. Can you ring out in this game, or am I confusing it with Virtua Fighter again? It might be in Virtual Fighter as well. You can ring out in certain in certain stages. Not every stage can you ring out in oh Soul Calibur, but there are definitely stages where they ring out, which which is fun. Because a lot of times, especially in Soul Calibur, again, it's not just a single fight. It's not even a round fight. A lot of times you'll have multiple enemies in, in the same stage. And mm-hmm. so when you beat one, the next one shows up. And so that was a great way in that stage to get through it really quick is just try to kick them off the... Because there was a certain kick that you could kick them off the stage and it was much quicker that way. Right. Just like, and boot it off the stage. Because there was um, one of their characters in the series is Lizard Man and he wasn't in two in a traditional way. There were just Lizard Men in this game, not him specifically. And so I remember that stage, you'd have like three Lizard Men in a row. And so it was like, just boot, boot off the boat. Boot to the head. Yes, boot to the head. Um, 
but yeah, the stages were also they were very. I I they I found them Soul Calibur in general. I found to be a very. It was over the top on purpose with their costumes, with the stages, with everything was just very over the top. And I, it was it for a fighting game. I felt more immersed in Soul Calibur as a whole game and whole plot and whole story than I did for really almost any other fighting game, at least at the start. I mean, later games finally started doing that, in my opinion. But for me, Soul Calibur was really the first one that introduced me into actually falling into the story of, of a fighting game. Mm -hmm. And that had to do with the really, really cool environments that you played in and all the different stages you were in and stuff like that. We've talked a bunch about what we slash mostly you remember. <laughs> Katie, what is your rose-tinted score for this game? What What is the score you would give it remembering back to it? Yeah, so again, well, as much as I do remember two specifically, I know a lot of my memories start to overlap with three, especially in college, because I think we played both. Mm. Um, but I just have a lot of really great memories. I had a lot of fun. I really loved the series. I, I Again, this is what, you know, kind of really pushed my passion for fighting games forward and how much I love fighting games. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a rose-tinted score of of an eight and a half. I just, I loved this game. And there wasn't perfect. And I do remember getting frustrated at times. And again, the ridiculousness sometimes was too much with some of the outfits and everything. But I just, I loved the game. I really had a fun time. Really loved playing it. What about you, Chris? I know you don't remember a ton of the game. So this is kind of a modified rose-tinted for you. But what 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 would you give it? And this is hard because I remember a lot more of the Street Fighter Mortal Kombat, but I do remember playing what I think is Soul Calibur 2, and I do remember enjoying it. I do remember enjoying the mechanics. I thought they were very clean from my memories, but not remembering a lot. I'm going to give it a 7, so just a solid pass. We'll, uh, we'll let that stand before we we go through uh what what do you think what is your projected score when we go back and play it again so this is definitely one of the situations as as producer kyle alluded to of the i worry about the tony hawk effect if if this is going if it's going to be detrimental that i remember being able to do certain things in later games that i can't do in the earlier game mm-hmm or if I'm gonna, I'm remembering certain memories and thinking it's from two, but it's actually from three or four. So uh, I'm worried it's probably gonna have to drop off just just because, again, we're trying to judge it fairly against the modern versions of games. So I'm going to give it a predicted score of a six and a half. I'm gonna have to drop it. What about you, Chris? What do you think you're gonna, cause this is, if this is truly your first full playthrough of the game, let's say, right? what do you think you're gonna give it? I know it's got history, but I also have no idea. Like, again, I think it's blending with a lot of the other Soul Calibur games. Sure. So I'm going to go on the record definitively as a seven. Again, so middle of the road, C's for degrees. Again, a seven out of ten isn't bad in the grand scheme of things nowadays if you don't get a nine and a half like for some reason your game is a failure but you know i know honestly it's this middle of the road should probably be a five right but in in normal game parlance we're just gonna give it a seven so on that note to the dishonor that hopefully won't come to this game <laughs> i think it's time to head back to the future we'll play the chiacarina time 
and head back to the future and actually talk about our experience of playing the game again in this modern day and age. So let's go future. Hiya! <laughs> let's go future? <laughs> <laughs> you pulled a me! Damn it! Oh well, too late now! Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle's gonna use that cut no matter what I do, so... <laughs> So that music means we are back in the present. Time to talk about the game and our actual playthrough this time around. So let's hop on in. First of all, playing Soul Calibur. Again, we played on the PlayStation 2, even though there are other versions out there. We both did play the PlayStation 2 version. That was the game I, you know, I played and Chris played a bit of. You played more of the arcade, though, as we said. Uh, I, played, I played a bunch of the arcade, apparently. <laughs> First of all, plot. I mean... Certainly, the arcade version. There's there's a plot, I yeah. guess. There, there's I mean, the Soul Caliber Soul Edge series has a very weird, convoluted plot that I can't even begin explaining. Just this game because you'd be missing so <laughs> much information from the first two games. But Something the, about getting a sword. Yes, but the overarching plot line is that there are two basically mythical swords out there: Soul Caliber and Soul Edge. Soul Caliber is the good sword. Soul Edge is the bad sword. Um, and each character in the game has their own individual motivation for wanting one or both of those swords. Which is fairly straight along a lot of fighting game lines. Yes. Like, everyone's got a motivation for the end MacGuffin. Yes. Or two MacGuffins. And, and it's interesting for Soul Calibur in they... Arcade is where the main plot happens. So while they'll have additional side modes, such as, like, Weapons Master, that does have a full plot of its own almost that's not a canon. shockingly deep plot yeah, yeah that is not canon the canon is on arcade mode so the way you actually go through arcade mode you have to almost play every single character to get the full scope of the story um but a lot of it's also in the manual that you have to read a lot of their motivations in the manual first right um, and then they'll give you segments towards the end of the arcade run through where they'll talk a little bit more and that was kind of the cool thing was it was, I believe, eight fights for every character from first to end, like to the final fight in the arcade mode. The mm -hmm. last boss is always, of course, the same final boss of Inferno. But the fight before that is what they would call a destiny battle. So every character basically has a counterpoint in the series that they will always fight each other in their destiny battle. For example, if you play as Cervantes, the zombie pirate, his destiny battle is always against Ivy in Soul Calibur 2 because it's his daughter. And so her, soul, her destiny battle is also against Cervantes. So you can play through every single time. And you, it's kind of fun. Then you play both those characters through each of their sides and you hear each of their sides of the, the story and their arguments, mm -hmm. which is kind of really fun. They all have different motivations. Some of them, most of the evil ones want to use it to take over the world or something to that effect. Most of the evil ones want to use Soul Edge to take over the world. The good ones typically want to either find Soul Calibur to destroy Soul Edge or find Soul Edge so that none of the bad guys can get it. It depends on their motivations. It gets a little... They, that's the other kind of fun thing is as much as they're good and bad guys, there's a lot of gray in Soul Calibur. There are characters mm -hmm. who are doing the right thing for the wrong reasons or doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. And that's really fun. It makes me think of a little bit of the original Diablo plot where yes. you, the Wanderer gets the stone and then the Wanderer like becomes essentially Diablo or the next game. Well, that is 
literally what happens in Soul Edge that Siegfried yeah. was trying to destroy Soul Edge and it ends up taking over him and he becomes Nightmare. And Nightmare. that's how you okay. play as Nightmare is because he's actually Siegfried and Nightmare are the same person. He's just the corrupted version. It's really bad. Like I made sure to beat a bunch of the arcade. Yeah. F- like go through a bunch of the characters in arcade and beat them. And then I just kind of forgot to read their story. Yeah. I was like, I'll do this eventually. And then, and then I just forgot that you said the thing about Ivy. Yeah. And I was like, how did I miss that? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Darn D- it. Though, to be fair, if you play through as Cervantes, mm-hmm. when she shows up, he's like, ah, my naughty daughter. Like he talks about that and stuff. He was on my list of, of characters that I wanted to get around to. I won't lie. I was trying to, but I found the arcade mode incredibly boring after the first two or three times. It can get a little repetitive for sure. Yes. Well, what I spent my time on instead was the other mode that they had, which was Weapon Master mode, which was a completely separate plot. Still looking for Soul Calibur, Soul Edge, Still or looking whatever. for Soul, yeah, Soul Edge or Soul Calibur. But it was it was a much more in depth story, I guess. It was a it was a story that it actually walked you through. Yeah. Not one that you just did a bunch of fights and it throws a text screen at you. And it is character agnostic, whereas the yes, that arcade is, true. is not. And you, I mean, you could switch characters in the middle of it too. Yeah, that's weird. Like, and I didn't do it because that's it felt disloyal. I tried to, but then I ended up with with the same character anyways. So, uh, and I think. The plot of that is, is, yeah, as you said, it's essentially the same thing. You're going through a journey. You need to prove yourself as a warrior, graduate training, go from point to point, fighting different things along the way. And with Weapons Master, it wasn't even just that there was more of a plot more directly told to you, but the fact that the challenges changed. It wasn't just win the fight right. and that's the end of the challenge. In Weapons Master, they had things like hit this opponent 20 times in a minute. Or you, the walls are gonna are explosive. So if you touch the walls, you'll like fly through the air. Like they had different types of challenges, so it actually yeah. kept changing as you were going. And I thought that kept it incredibly fresh. Weapon Master was definitely the one that I spent the most time on, because of that kind of varied goals. Yeah, it's really interesting how that kind of works. But there, I will admit, were frustrating ones, too, that were like, if you don't do this one particular mechanic you may never, ever use again, you can't win this fight. So it'd be things like you had to juggle a person in the air like three times to win the fight. I beat that one in literally like two seconds. See, I couldn't that was, get her in the air. It was so annoying. That was so lucky. That was my thing. I was like, this is going to take me forever. And then it's like, literally like, one two juggle and they were dead i was like oh thank goodness because there's no way i was gonna do do that well there was like the there other was one, one there was there was mines on the ground yeah so if you get knocked to the ground you're dead yeah. instantly <laughs> and i think i said on the stream i was like this is just gonna be a trial or error like yeah. whoever's gonna be knocked to the ground first because yeah i'm bad at those sort of hits well there was the other one that was like you have to do the offensive block essentially there was a certain way you could block that would actually hurt your opponent Oh, and that's the only way to damage them. And it was yeah. the only way to yeah the, yeah it was the only way to damage them was using this counter punch block and it was miserable trying to get it done. I never blocked in this game other oh, than that. That's mission. exactly it. I yeah. didn't block. So. I sidestepped. It was cool that in this game you can sidestep and you can go around yeah. your opponent because again it wasn't a two D 
fighter, it was, it, you know, it had dimensions to it. When it's a 3D fighter, they weren't just talking about the sprites. They were talking about the fact that there were three dimensions you could enter into. And was that was huge. Yeah, so as I said, it was a 3D fighting game because you could go into the different planes. They called it eight-way running, and that was something that they were touting right. as they should have because it was so different than every other fighting game out there at the time. And it made a big difference for things like throws. Yeah. Like throws at different parts of the body were completely different throws. Yes. Which is really cool ways to discover things. Also, the yeah. lonely animator syndrome came back up again on that one with Cassandra just sitting on people's faces. Is that a thing that... Oh, yeah, I guess that is one of her throws. Yeah, it's 100% yeah, one of her Yeah, you just spin throws. around her and sit... Yep, yep. Ha! Ring outs were also fun and a thing that you could try yeah. to push your opponents out of the ring. That was that was something that I had never experienced before in any other fighting games. I don't think I mean I guess they weren't in any other fighting games before that. So ex explain explain a ring out real quick, just in case you're not familiar with it. A ring out is pushing or kicking or getting your opponent outside of the ring, and they automatically lose, no matter the health, no matter what. Most of the time in the game, they did make it auto lose because you'd kick them like off like a twenty foot cliff or into right. the water or something. So there was a reason it was not a lose in this game. But yeah, you just basically could boot them off the edge of the ring. That was really neat. And it could be really satisfying to just boot someone out of the ring. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's going like poorly. Yeah. And, and you manage to get a ring out. Or it goes the other way. If like if you were dominating the person and all of a sudden you're at like 90% health and get, get rung out, it's, yeah. it's really, really annoying. Or you or do it you to yourself. Jump out. Yep. Yes. You do it to yourself <laughs> and you're not paying attention. You like roll out by accident or you jump off the... and Yeah. There's definitely those moments where you'll ring the other opponent out and you'll follow them right behind and be like, who hits first? Who hit first? Yeah, I was going to say that made me laugh too because it's like, sweet, ring out. It's like, and I'm just going after him. Yeah. Cool. Bye. But I think the other thing when it comes to, and I think the, the eight-way running plays into it is there were times I noticed both producer Kyle and I took our controllers and basically sat them on our lap and acted like they were more of a arcade stick to be able to oh, hit really? the buttons properly. Mm -hmm. And and I think like holding the joystick or you know to be able to hit it and or hit the combos by instead of trying to push my yeah. thumb across it was like no but I want to go down I want to go yeah. down straight but yeah it was it was interesting I, you know the influence that we obviously had played arcades in arcades you know growing up and you know still now because we love arcades when that's a thing right you know it was just we would I both of us I think not even consciously would move the controller to such a way that sometimes it just felt more natural that way for this game I, I don't remember that being that. as much of a thing in later games that weren't designed for the arcade and I, I think it's just the way the movesets were built into this game and stuff I don't know yeah. or maybe they are because to be fair you can buy the arc arcade sticks for new systems still like that is still absolutely a thing I mean so. it's definitely a thing that people like to use but I I, I didn't even think about that as as in because I, I remember the number of times i was complaining and it's like why do i have to hit square and circle to yeah. do this grab like how unnatural is that or like triangle and right. but it, triangle and x it's natural if you're yeah. playing like a fight like an arcade and you have you're coming from the top and not trying to use your thumb to smash both at the same time right i love that and you can tell the way the developers worked on this game is we pick a weapon first and a fighting style first and then build mm. the character around that. And yeah. so you could see the love for the different styles. And while, you know, it absolutely happens all fighting games, every character is different. They have their like, you know, what makes them unique. 
but I don't know. For me, it feels more like in Soul Calibur. It just they the weapons just matter more. The styles feel so much more distinct because they're so oh yeah based on the weapon they're playing. That that was super super neat to see. Like because you had you know short sword, sword and shield. You had like a katana. You had like a a, a saber, yeah. like a fencing saber. The the claymore. Like there's just so many styles in there. And that was, that's really cool. And then whatever Voldo's got. Yeah, like Voldo's. claws. Like, yeah, claws. Whatever Voldo but, is. But th- that's the thing, too. Voldo doesn't just have claws on his hands. He then has this weird style where he walks backwards and can fight you yeah. backwards, which, again, is crazy. He can be facing the other way, and that is actually a style of fighting for his character is he faces away and can still hit you. But Yoshimitsu and Mitsurugi both are samurais who use samurai swords. But their styles are a hundred percent different. Well, yeah, Yoshimitsu pogo sticks on his samurai sword, which is amazing. That's the one that I, that made me think. I was like, I did play this in the arcade because I thought as a child that pogo sticking around on a samurai <laughs> sword was hilarious and amazing. You don't have to be as a child; it's still hilarious and true. amazing. <laughs> and he does a weird thing where he like spins around on the ground in, in exactly like the, the the cross leg position and teleports like the, yeah the lotus pose. Yeah. That is really a key to all of the mechanics in the game are the different weapons and how they're used. And that's why the learning one character doesn't mean you'll be any good at any other character. Just like right. all fighting games, to be fair. Like, you have to get used to characters. That's why people have favorites. And, I mean, this is definitely one of those easy-to-learn, incredibly hard-to-master. Yes. Like, as we said, neither one of us got into blocking or countering <laughs> And that's a huge part of this game, I feel like, because yeah. you could you could counter throws, you could counter just regular attacks. If you choose the right one, it's like, oh, yeah, this throw can be countered by hitting this. And it's like, yeah. how would I ever even recognize that? Like, yeah. you'd have to know that specific Move. grab and yeah. throw of that specific character. It's it's really interesting. I mean, you know, watching like the esports versions of these games just watching these things played at such a high level is yeah. is in- incredibly fascinating and incredibly impressive. It. Yeah. <laughs> Though it was still again very much in the classic Soul Calibur style the way plot happens there are not really cut scenes. It ha- there are small ones, but mostly it's text. That's how Soul Calibur has always done it. That's what they always do is just a wall of text will come up and explain what's going on. <laughs> it is a very old school way to do plot points. Yeah. There was there was a lot of reading in in the in, weapons master. In the weapons master. I think I just, I got like four chapters in, and it's like I'm not reading all of this anymore. I, I did like, the same. I, I stopped. I reading. can't. I will go back and read this. I think producer Kyle said on the stream, it's like it'd be great if they just put this all in one big thing. It's like, yeah, yeah I would go out of my way to read that. I say that, and I didn't read any of the finishing <laughs> the, bios, the, of the profiles, arcade, but you know. So we kind of talked about a, a lot of the stuff we liked. Is there something in your mind? that sticks out that you just didn't like or that bothered you? Was there was there a mechanic that you hated or? I, I think there were times, I think you're absolutely right that arcade could get boring if you did too many in a row. So we would do like two characters and then take a break and go back to like weapons master mode. So that that is mm-hmm. frustrating. That was boring. And on the other end of things, weapons master drove me nuts that if you lost, which still did quite a bit, oh, yeah. it made you go kicked you all the way back out it didn't let you do a quick restart which just it took forever just let me do a quick restart those those ones where it was like if you got knocked to the ground you died instantly yeah so it's like i fought for two seconds and it's going to take me about 90 seconds 
to restart, to restart it. this fight. Yeah, that so, that did drive me crazy. Yes, things like that. Other things I wasn't the biggest fan of is this game can get you stuck sometimes in a, a like if you get caught by certain moves, there's just unbreakable at times. And that can be very frustrating that there's no way mm. to get out of a certain move or something like that. That can be annoying, but that's, you know, finding games. It happens. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the rampant. So uh, lonely animator syndrome in this game is just, <laughs> I mean, Ivy is a amazing character. She, her weapon is so cool. She's such a badass. Can I say badass? She's such a badass, and yet they have her... Say whatever you want, it's your show. (laughs) But she wears ribbons, basically, to hide everything. It's it's so funny, because I knew about that going in, and the first time I fought Ivy, she was wearing her secondary costume, which Which is like the very... She looks like she's George Washington. Yeah, she does, and at least it's like... I want to be her. I was like, that costume's really awesome. And she looks really cool. And I was like, uh, let me show you what her maid costume is like before you say that. And we got out and I showed producer Lisa her ribbon costume. And she was like, oh, no. It's like, yeah, you can stick to the other one. Like, it's just not necessary. In fairness, Voldo, Voldo's running around in a cod piece. True. Valdo wears and, just about as much clothing as Ivy does in yeah. one of his outfits, and, and, to be fair. And As- Astaroth, Astaroth, yeah. He's, his alternate uniform, he's in, like, a loincloth. straps and, like, yep. and, like, weird chaps and... Yeah, and, and to be fair, I don't think Maxi ever wears a shirt. I no, that is true. I don't think Keelik ever wears a shirt. Like, he looks like Elvis. I just always thought he looked like Elvis. But so, so... There is truth to that, but it was just, it was, sometimes it's very frustrating of how much time did you waste animating boob jiggles? Too much. The answer is too much. Uh, but what about you? Was there anything, I kind of talked about what stood out of what I didn't like about playing through. What about you, Chris? Can we talk about how annoying Inferno was? Like, it, it was very interesting where like, because he had stages, right? Where yes. he would kind of imitate other fighters, which there was another fighter that Charade. did that. Charade. Yeah. But yeah, he would imitate other fighters, so it would kind of go to like a mini cutscene inside yeah. the fight. But really, what that also meant was that any combo you were working on was broken up. Yeah, you which could was actually really annoying. I noticed I could keep comboing, af- but his health stopped going down health, because it was every yeah. third, and so it was irrelevant if you kept comboing. So it seemed like every time I got a combo going it was right near that third uh-huh. margin. Uh-huh. No, like that that last fight. In, in weapons master mode against him was awful because he could take out like half your health in two hits. Yep. I think there was, yeah, talking about Inferno was 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 kind of annoying. There was the the button layout, as I, I mentioned earlier, the, the weird, and I think it was only mostly throws. Throws and, and grapples were those opposite buttons yep. that were really hard to do on a controller. Yeah. And you could now, I mean, you could have mapped the throws to the shoulder buttons. Yeah. But that felt like cheating. Producer Kyle pointed that out to me right at the end, and it's one of those, it's like, wow, this would have been good to know about three weeks ago. <laughs> I knew, but, and I, I refused, because I felt like cheating. I, I know I, I did it as a kid. I know I did it as a kid. It makes sense. I mean, it makes absolute sense. I, I wish I had known that earlier. I wish <laughs> I had read through the ridiculous manual earlier. That's why you gotta read the manual. I know. 
I did find the couple times in Weapon Master where you fought the axe yes. and the legs. The floating axe and the legs. That was amazing. Because the first time I didn't read about the axe part. Yeah. And it was like, you go to the rules for the fight and it's like, everything except the weapon is invisible. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then yeah. you pointed out, you're like, no, you're just fighting the weapon. I was like, yeah. that's hilarious. Well, plot wise, you're fighting yeah, well, a yeah. weapon that is being controlled by his master. And it's just very funny. But then you got to the part where you're fighting just legs. Yeah, because he hadn't like fully you... developed yet or something weird. And you like, but you couldn't hit the torso. No, so, it like, was literally all just of the my legs. strikes were going above. I was like, I don't remember how to do low attacks right now. Down. This is awful. I could not stop laughing when I was fighting the legs. Yeah. So I feel like most of the things that I was frustrated with, I can't necessarily chalk up to game design i think it's just because i wasn't good enough at the game <laughs> other yeah. than the it takes too long to get back into battles in yeah. weapon mode the, the yeah some of the loading was a bit rough we could talk about the music if you want it was there it got really repetitive i know that yeah some of the rings got repetitive but like i think you saw them there was enough where it wasn't too bad mm-hmm. i think there was one that stuck out because a couple like there was wind so you got blown around yeah. or my favorite was the one that was tiny. It was like a teeny, tiny, tiny ring. Like, it was in the last dungeon Oh, type yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing in this game. Dungeon crawls. That was it's fun. It's like a level within a level where yeah. you've got to figure out. a bunch out... of people. Yeah. But yeah, this tiny, tiny ring where you pretty much were guaranteed to ring the other person yep. out. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, there was music. It, it got repetitive. It didn't stand out necessarily. But we both played, I think, even though we didn't 100% the game, you don't really 100% a game like this yeah. um, often. But we, we both put a good chunk of time in. So, Chris, it's time for scores. What would you give Soul Calibur 2? I'm going to give this game an 8.0. That was me being flaky until right at the end. I'm going to give it an eight. I I had fun with it. It was hard. There was a couple times where I wanted to rage quit, but it it was it was funny because I kept being like, man, I got to go play some Soul Caliber, and then I'd start playing it, especially in the the weapons mode, and all of a sudden I'd been streaming for like two and a half hours. And I was like, well, clearly I don't hate this game because <laughs> I keep playing it a ton. Well, that that is, that was one of the uh, other fun facts I had pulled about this game was in the Spike TV Awards first video game awards that they ever did in 2003. This won the award for most addictive game. It it really was like props to the design. It, you wanted to keep going, and there was the carrot was good enough, and it wasn't hard enough to completely make you stop. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's true. What about you? What what is your final score for this game? So I was really worried it wasn't going to live up because I had loved this game so much as a kid. I was really worried that in comparison to some of the newer fighting games I've played, the newer Soul Calibers that I've played, that Mm. I was going to get frustrated. I was going to dislike it or blah, blah, blah. I still really, really liked it. I still had a ton of fun. I'm going to give it an eight. Like, I really, Mm. I really liked playing it again. Like, the few things that I found were problematic aren't aren't make or break problematic. They're just, okay, that'd be nice if it was fixed. It was mm-hmm. never something that felt like it really pulled away too much from actual gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, it could have been more expansive in the long run. Yes, they could have put a little bit more plot in the game itself as opposed to keeping it in the manuals and stuff. But at the end of the day, 
it was a fighting game and I wanted to keep fighting and that right. that's and I wanted to play more characters. I wanted to play more. Yeah. That's kind of all that matters. So are you are you going to go back and play this again? Would you suggest other people go back and play it? So I, I definitely want to keep playing it and, and do a bit more plot stuff. But more than that, I want to go back and play the sequels again. I want to go back and play Soul Calibur 3 again. I want to play fair. Soul Calibur 4 again. And I never played Soul Calibur 5. I've heard terrible things about it, to be fair. So <laughs> that's why. But I want to play it now because... I, you know, it, this playing this game again reminded me how much I loved this series, how much, you know, it really was a, like one of my favorite fighting games. I like fighting games in general. They're one of my favorite genres and just Soul Calibur always is just like top of that pile. And I, I really fair. love it. I don't, I, I don't dislike fighting games. I just don't, I don't go out of my way to play them. And I did legitimately enjoy this game as again, I, I kept telling myself, it's like, oh, gosh, I got to go play Soul Calibur. And then, yeah, three hours later, I'm like, wait, it's time to go to bed. What happened? <laughs> so, I mean, and that's that's, I think, a good indication of a great game. Yeah. So we both had a lot of fun. We both predicted way lower scores. I had a six and a half and you had a seven. Oh, so wow. this game, this game did well. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. I'm glad we did a fighting game. Finally, we will definitely do more in the future, but I'm glad we got to do some Soul Calibur. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. Thank you for making me play this game, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we did Chuck Yeager last episode, so... Yeah, exactly. It's, I guess that worked out back-to-back -back episodes. We're, we're making each other get out of our comfort zone. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's, been, that's been fun. But speaking of, the next game we're going to play, though, for the podcast <sighs> is a game that we both loved a stupid amount. Oh, yeah. Next game we're going to be covering is Gunstar Heroes for the Sega Genesis, and I am so excited. I cannot wait. It was so painful to not play this game once we got that Sega Mini. Yeah. We are super excited. We look forward to everyone joining us in two weeks for the next episode with Gunstar Heroes. Uh, in the meantime... You would know we were doing Gunstar Heroes if you were catching our streams, because we've streamed some of it. We even exposed producer Lisa and producer Kyle to this game, and you could see that if you watch the stream. Yes. So check out our streams, as we said. You can find us at twitch.tv slash show. You can find us pretty much on all social media at show. Talk to us, interact with us, watch our streams, chat. We'd love to hear from you. We've been uploading more videos to both Facebook, Instagram, and some YouTube videos, so check that out as well. Um, otherwise, uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Big thanks to producer Kyle, producer Lisa, all the work that they do behind the scenes with all the editing and video editing, keeping us in line, making sure we don't turn something that is an hour episode into a five-hour episode. Thank you very much, guys. Again, thank you for listening. Please, five-star reviews or reviews in general. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. We want to hear from you, mostly on Apple because there's the other review sites are weird. But we look forward to hearing from you. We do like to put posts out there on Facebook and Instagram that are like, hey, this game's coming up. What are your memories? And then you guys can hear your memories pop up on the podcast. So talk to us there as well. Otherwise, it's time to say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Bye, everyone. Hoya! Ha! Ha!
waste of time. Maxie's got a pretty dope haircut, though. He's got the greaser haircut. I love it. Yeah, boy. I just picture him throwing on some aviator sunglasses. I just got distracted by picturing Maxie as Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo knew karate.